Hey, what's up, guys? On this week's episode of My Take Radio, we're going to break down the departure of Burt Watson from the UFC, Layla Ali wanting to fight Ronda Rousey. On the wrestling side of things, you know we're going to talk about Raw. We're also going to get into Rey Mysterio's post-WWE future, the Bill DeMott departure, and so much more. My Take Radio 279 starts right now. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, my Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 279, presented by Rageworks, airing live Wednesday, March 11th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. On Wednesday evenings, that being today, is our MMA and wrestling edition. And then on Thursday nights, it's our gaming and entertainment edition. As always, listener and viewer discretion is advised due to strong language. As usual, if you missed the disclaimer at the start of the broadcast. So, uh, this evening we were supposed to have some video, but unfortunately there were some issues with um, Andrew's encoding machine over at the GFQ headquarters. So, there is no... um, no video for the time being. I know he's trying to get the stuff up and running, but as always, video archives of the show are available on our YouTube channels, both for My Take Radio and Rageworks. For My Take Radio, you can look for My Take Radio TV on YouTube, and for Rageworks, as always, it is official Rageworks. All right, so a couple of things I want to discuss before we get into tonight's topics. Uh, things are definitely a little light this week, but I did want to address... Uh, something that's been happening over the last couple of days and some people that I've been talking to. And I just wanted to present this stuff to you guys, the listeners, and see what you guys think about it. And as always, if you guys want to become involved, we'll address that after I give you you guys the uh, the scoop on what's going on. So uh, with regards to the forums, I want to give you guys a forum update. Uh, Started beta testing integration into the site with some posts automatically posting to the forums. Notice that it's causing a couple of slowdowns on the site, which definitely are not what we're looking for, and we're definitely trying to resolve that. But I will say that um, 
other than the slight slowdowns, the forums themselves look incredibly promising. I think if we are able to get it up and running and have the site still maintain a fast load time, I think you guys are definitely going to enjoy what we have to offer forum wise. It's going to be simple, but it's going to be chock full of just customization opportunities for the end user, meaning you guys, but we'll see. And, uh, we'll see what the deal is with that. I'm hoping to have the bugs worked out this week. Just been talking with the admin for the forum app to see how well, uh, they can integrate it into our current setup. If not, there's going to need to be, there's going to need to be some customization both on our end and on theirs. As always, I will keep you guys abreast of the situation. Once I get more information, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is our Patreon. For those of you that don't know, uh, we started a Patreon not too long ago. Shout out to Javon Lewis for always supporting us uh, via Patreon. And the reason we started Patreon is because at the end of the day, we do my take radio, obviously for you know programming on RageWorks, but we also do it for you guys, the listeners. And as always, this stuff you know has has costs and. What we want to try and do is, and we're going to try and redo the Patreon because I've I've learned a couple of things over the last couple of days. We're going to try and do a Patreon once again, which is going to allow you guys to uh, participate and have a hand in the growth of the show. But rather than creating milestone, uh, rather than creating rewards, we're going to try and create milestones. And what I'm saying is, instead of just oh, you donate a dollar, we thank you on air, or you donate five bucks and we put you in the credits. We're still going to do that stuff, but I think at the end of the day, the real motivation here is to uh, start creating milestones that will allow us to do more, not only for the show, but just for RageWorks as a whole. Now, if you're if you're curious as to what I mean, well, I'll break it down a little bit without getting too too granular. Um, basically, let's 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 use an example. Say we go the Patreon route and re- we raise, I don't know. 500 bucks a month, 600 bucks a month, whatever the case may be. If we raise that level of money, then we will obviously offset all our hosting server costs, etc., and our equipment as well. Plus it will also start allowing us to do more content meaning. Um, and this is just a, a, for instance, if, if we raised, you know, that kind of money, we could do MTR five days a week shorter shows, but every day, um, things like that, you know, instead of, like I said, instead of focusing on, Oh, an on-air thank you or a sticker or a t-shirt at the end of the day, if you guys believe in the product and want to support the product, then you guys should have a hand in determining where we go. And with that said, I was talking to, well, not talking to, I actually heard uh, a guy by the name, the real Brian, he does a show called profit cast which is um, a show about monetizing your podcast. You know, there's dozens of them, countless people out there. But this guy, I was able to, to vibe with him because he um, he's a comic book fan, which is cool. He's, he, he uses a lot of pop culture references in his shows. Uh, really cool stuff. And he actually did an episode about Patreon. And after I heard it, I realized that our approach just wasn't right in terms of what we wanted to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're always going to be uh, we're always going to keep investing what we can into the show, but we also want to try and give you guys the opportunity to be more involved and also set the course for where things go. And like anything else, you know, it's going it, to it, it's like you got to spend money to make money. That, that's that's how it goes. And, and, and 
in the grand scheme of things, if we can if we can do that and have a Patreon that's self sustaining, we could do some some real cool stuff. Like I said, we could do MTR daily, uh, shorter versions covering different things. You know, maybe we'll break it out and just give wrestling its own day. Maybe after Raw, um, MMA its own day, whatever the case may be. Gaming, entertainment, and then maybe just like a free for all style show, etc. Same thing with um, other content as well. Just allowing us for expansion. So. With that said, I am going to go back into Patreon and try to uh, just tackle this from a from a brand new perspective. I definitely want to thank um, uh, the real Brian from ProfitCast for kind of just giving me the uh, the right direction to go in with his show. And you know, it's not a plug for his show, but you're welcome to check it out if you're looking to um, you know monetize your your brand or your podcast, whatever the case may be. So I definitely got to endorse that. The message was clear and concise. And we want to go in that direction. And like I said, I'm also uh, bringing that up because a lot of people have been asking, you know, it'd be cool if you guys could do uh, daily stuff or more content, whatever the case may be. And I mean, we're already cranking out a lot of audio content as it is between both shows. Black is the new black, um, the buried show. And of course, all our other programming as well. We're definitely giving you guys a lot of a lot of audio content, but we want to take it to that next level. We want to try and do some really cool stuff on a on a consistent basis. I mean, again, I'm posing it to you guys. You know, what would you guys think of, you know, an, an, an MTR, you know, daily? But again, it's something where you, you got to you got to participate via Patreon if you want to do that and get that up and running. Like I said, giving you an on air credit or putting you in the in, in the patrons uh, credits for the video version of the show that's real easy. We can do that. That's not a problem. But again, it's it's trying to give you guys the best content possible and, and the best way possible. And to do that, you know, we're going to we're going to reapproach. We're going to approach the Patreon thing a little differently. Um, as always, we you know, we have our sponsors that that are involved with stuff and they they can they contribute where applicable. But we want to put the fate of where things go in your hands, because what we do is, you know, for you guys and. Hopefully, once we get it all ironed out, you guys who dig it and, you know, get involved and we can start doing some cool stuff. As always, uh, you got any questions, concerns or just any input whatsoever, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or reach out via social media, Facebook, Twitter. Twitter probably will get you the most instant answer ever. And that's at mytakeradio or at rage underscore works. Uh, the other thing I did want to put out there for those of you well versed in Twitter, I'm curious about this. Uh, how do you guys approach uh, people that are sitting on names? And the reason I say this is because there's a person who has RageWorks and hasn't used RageWorks since 2011. So unfortunately, we are relegated to using Rage underscore Works because we, official RageWorks is too long. If you guys are well versed in that or have any ideas or input, definitely drop me a line either via social media or via email. All right, so on deck for tonight, we're going to go through the week's MMA news. Uh, There were no MMA events this past weekend, but of course, this weekend, uh, Carla Spars is putting her belt on the line against Joanna Jerzezic, and um, Anthony Showtime Pettis, of course, putting his belt on the line against Rafael Dos Anjos. Those are two title fights going down this Saturday um, UFC, of course, I believe that's 185 now should be 185 if I'm correct. And, um, as always that action will start at 10 o'clock and we'll go into some of the other MMA news 
for this week. On the wrestling side of things, of course, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about the fallout of Bill DeMott getting the boot. We're also going to talk about Samoa Joe. We got some Rey Mysterio news and a ton of other stuff as well. So without any further ado, let's get into this week's MMA, shall we? As always, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite fighter gear, training gear, and accessories at MMAWarehouse.com. Look for promo codes and banners on RageWorks.net. As always, if you click those banners to do your purchases, it does help us out. So check them out if you're looking to pick up some, uh, some MMA gear or support your favorite fighters. All right, so... First thing I want to talk about is this UFC 187 event, which is going to go down right before Memorial Day weekend. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because UFC 187 definitely is going to be a can't-miss event. Besides two title defenses, number one, of course, John Jones, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Chris Weidman, and Vitor Belfort. We also got Donald Cerrone and Khabib Nurmagomedov, which is probably going to be a title qualifier. Also, Andre Arlovsky and Travis Brown, uh, Uriah Hall and Rafael Natal will be squaring off. And uh, um, Josh Berkman will be taking on Dong Yun Kim as well. In addition to that, Rose Namajunas is also fighting on that card, as is um, John Dodson, who will be taking on Zach Makovsky. Ben and I talked about that last week. And... Um, Definitely a card that is a can't miss. Again, that card is going down May 23rd, and I am really looking forward to it. Of course, barring any injuries, it should probably be one of the best cards of 2015. Of course, the other thing that a lot of people have been talking about is the fact that there's still a lot of rumor and speculation regarding Brock Lesnar's post-WrestleMania future. A lot of people are angling for a fight with the Beast Incarnate if he comes back to the UFC, including Frank Mir, which Dana White has gone on record as saying that if MMA does get sanctioned here in New York State, we may, we may see Frank Mir and Brock Lesnar at the Garden. So we'll see if that's the case. I mean, it's wishful thinking on Dana's part. And of course, this is also taking into consideration um, that Brock Lesnar will not re-sign with WWE. But again, we'll see what the case is. What, you know, we'll see how this plays out because, again, there are some impasses going on between Vince and Brock currently. And, you know, right now, the future of Brock Lesnar in the WWE is very cloudy at best. The other big controversy surrounding MMA this past week was the departure of UFC site coordinator Burt Watson. Of course, many of you that watch UFC fights on the regular are familiar with Burt Watson. He kind of gets the fighters ready, gets them in the zone, walks them out, makes sure everything is running smooth backstage. And pretty much what's been said and speculated is that there was an incident with uh, some members of Ronda Rousey's entourage, which led to him departing the UFC. Of course, that's that's the rumor and the speculation currently. Um, another rumor floating around is that uh, he did have an issue with someone in Ronda Rousey's entourage and that Dana White sided with Ronda Rousey's camp instead of siding with Burt Watson, of course, who is a longtime UFC employee. Uh, He took it 
very personally and was offended. And as a result of that, he did quit the organization uh, late last week. And, well, correction, the week prior. And the thing about this is that at the end of the day, no fighter should be bigger than the business itself. This is something that's always echoed on WWE programming that no wrestler is bigger than the company itself. Of course, that's always up for debate. But I do feel that something like that does apply when it comes to the UFC. The UFC is the top of the food chain. It is the elite. But at the end of the day, fighters come and go and the company will stay where it is. Now, for someone like Ronda Rousey or John Jones or any of the elite fighters or champions, they do roll deep. They do have big entourages. But you have to respect the venue and the staff that are working the venue. And as a result of that, I have a feeling that it was probably some too many people back there, too much stuff, and the guys trying to keep things orderly, trying to make sure things run smoothly, and things, you know, just didn't go according to plan, and it led to his departure. A lot of fighters have been very vocal on Twitter, expressing their support for Burt Watson. Like I said, the guy was a class act. Every time he was involved in a UFC special, you could see that he... He cherished the fighters. He loved the fighters. He treated them as if they were his family. And because of that, you know, I'm disheartened to hear that he left the organization. And I'm sure we will get the full story later on down the road. But I will say this. Burt Watson was one of those guys that the fighters all respected. And to not have him there is definitely going to change the mood backstage. And I have a feeling that his departure is going to change the way that the the entire backstage area is approached going forward. So we'll see how it pans out. Like I said, I'm sure we will get the full story from Burt later on down the road. I'm sure the wound is too fresh now for him to get into it. But of course, if we get anything else, we will definitely make sure to let you guys know on a future episode. All right, now, the injury bugs, of course, start creeping their way into some of the big cards. One one particular injury that bothered me was an injury to Ben Saunders. He is out of his welterweight fight with Eric Silva, which was going to be going down UFC Fight Night 62. That's actually happening next weekend. So um, the main event for that fight is going to be Damian Maya and Ryan LaFleur. I was really bummed about that because that card has been plagued with injuries. Um, the fight between Uriah Faber and Rafael Asuncao was canceled because Asuncao broke his ankle in December and hadn't healed. Uh, Josh Thompson is out. Matt Wyman is out. And it's just, you know, it's really crazy. Now, in the case of, you know, Ben Saunders, he is being replaced by Josh Koscheck, who is going to replace him to face Eric Silva. That's what Combate is reporting at this time. Of course, it hasn't been officially announced by the UFC, but it is interesting that Josh Josh Koscheck is jumping back into the cage after suffering that very, very terrifying defeat via submission less than a week. I believe it was roughly a week ago. So we'll see what goes down with regards to that. And if it is made official, UFC Fight Night 62 goes down next weekend in Brazil. Another fight that MMA Junkie kind of alluded to is a fight between Carlos Condit and Tiago Alves, which is happening at UFC Fight Night 67. Uh, all signs point to that fight being announced sooner rather than later. The UFC has not confirmed that fight, but UFC Fight Night 67 goes down May 30th. I definitely would like to see that fight. Tiago Alves, Carlos Condit, both both guys 
fought George St. Pierre. Both guys are serious threats in the welterweight division. So I really would like to see a fight between both of those. We got a reinvigorated Tiago Alves. And of course, the always dangerous Carlos Condit is definitely going to be fireworks in that fight. And who knows, that fight may dictate the next challenger for the belt at 170. Of course, like anything else, the rankings sometimes get shuffled around to the point where the guys that should be fighting don't get the opportunity. But I do think... Carlos Condit makes a strong case to definitely challenge for a title, and Tiago Alves has been doing well thus far since getting a handle on his weight issues. Now, the other the other fight, and, and I'm bummed that this fight is on UFC Fight Pass, uh, this entire card, and this is because it is Mirko Krokop taking on Gabriel Gonzaga, and that's happening April 11th in Poland. And you would think that that fight maybe would end up on Fox Sports 1, or even on Fox itself via tape delay, but unfortunately that will be a UFC Fight Pass exclusive card. So those of you that are wanted to see Mirko and Gabriel Gonzaga square off will not have that opportunity, unfortunately. Overall, the card looks pretty solid. Um, I can understand why it's a Fight Pass card, but still, I mean, it's Mirko's return to the UFC. Uh, it's in Poland. You're going to have a really big crowd over there you would have thought that you would have wanted to use a Fox outlet to get that fight to the masses, but unfortunately, we're going with uh, UFC Fight Pass on this one. Now, it wouldn't be an MMA segment without a CM Punk update. So, CM Punk has been participating in active scrimmages with all his teammates at at, uh, at Rufus Sport over the last couple of weeks, and... um. He's been uh, again the 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 st- the typical response is that the guy is a sponge and that he continues to evolve, continues to improve, and they are shooting to get him a fight supposedly next year. Now, from what I've gathered, it's all based on what the his coach is saying. Duke Rufus is saying that CM Punk should fight in a year. Obviously, the UFC does not want to wait one year to get CM Punk in the cage. Make of that what you will. I think, you know, he should take his time, definitely get ready, and find an ideal opponent. From, what, from what's been said on numerous sites, it looks like CM Punk is going to meet with the UFC within the, ne- within the next couple of months to pin down a date and an opponent. A lot of people are saying that his weight cut is going better than expected and that he may be debuting at 170 instead of 185. So we'll see what the deal is with that. Personally, I do think that... CM Punk has a lot to overcome, especially if he goes down into 170. That's even deeper water than 185 with regards to potential opponents. But I will say that whatever card he is on is probably either going to be as as a third fight on a pay-per-view card or at least a uh, a second fight or a third fight on a Fox on a Fox card just because you're going to want to get that mainstream turnout if they were smart. They would lump that fight in with um, some sort of a, of a big title fight because that would be one of the better ways to do it. Definitely don't make it a UFC uh, Fox main event, but definitely get it close enough that people will be uh, will have incentive to actually watch an entire card to see how it pans out. Of course, if the UFC does get sanctioned in New York State, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get CM Punk to fight his opponent at a you know at a New York show again right now all signs point to with Sheldon Silver out of the way that happening but 
as of right now, that particular thing is not 100% as of yet. Like I said, CM Punk's weight cut coming down to 170, very interested in seeing how that goes. I've seen a lot of photos on Instagram and various social media outlets that show him in there participating in scrimmages. He looks lean. He looks focused. He doesn't look... He, he looks happy. The guy looks genuinely happy to be there. So I'm definitely looking forward to his fight, win, lose, or draw, just because I want to see how well the transition panned out. Once again, once we get a date, you know we'll report it here ASAP. Now, everybody wants to fight Ronda Rousey. We've talked about this. We Ben and I have talked about this at length. You know, all the women want to fight her. It's getting to the point where the guys at 135, they're talking about that she could beat at least 50% of that division, etc., etc., etc. Well, first off, Ronda Rousey has said that she is not going to be fighting men ever <laughs> unless unless some crazy shit happens. Nobody's going to sanction that, number one. Number two, a very, very interesting uh, turn of events happened this week when Layla Ali said that she could take Ronda Rousey. And that that was very interesting to me. Obviously, of course, Layla Ali is retired. And um, she said that she could take uh, Ronda Rousey in a fight, um, in a, in a boxing match. Let me rephrase that. And I just found it to be very, very interesting that everybody's trying to get there, trying to get their name in the lights. No disrespect to Layla Ali. Obviously, she is the, the daughter of a legend, uh, Muhammad Ali, who is one of my favorite fighters. So, you know, it's 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 pretty cool to say that. I I almost want to see, it, you know, I almost want to do. Uh, a fantasy fight in the sense that if um if Layla Ali were in her prime and MMA was where it was would Layla Ali make a run for mixed martial arts and that's the real that's the real question because it's like you know fighters like Holly Holm and other and other fighters you know boxers and and other practitioners of martial arts are are making the jump to MMA because it's creating an outlet and creating opportunities for those particular sports, you know, in the old days, collegiate wrestlers either aspired to go try and go to the Olympics or go to WWE or WCW or whatever. It's either the Olympics or pro wrestling or gym coaches. Now there's more opportunities. There's more choice. Same thing with boxers, boxers that want to try and test their skills can contemplate making that jump to MMA. And of course, the oldest debate ever always happens and we can always talk about what would happen if Floyd Mayweather fought in in the UFC or Manny Pacquiao or Mike Tyson, et cetera, et cetera. We can always talk about that, but it's interesting to hear it from someone like Layla Ali because Layla Ali has been out of the spotlight for, for quite some time. Not to say that, you know, she's a has been or anything, but she really hasn't been out there. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's just interesting that this would pick up steam the way it did over the last couple of days. Of course, you got to thank TMZ for it. And basically the, the way the, that it opened up and it even led to this happening was that they were, you know, they asked about how she would compare herself to Ronda Rousey. And, you know, she kind of brushed it aside, MMA's apples and oranges, blah, blah, blah. But then all of a sudden she said, no woman in the world can beat me, period. That's what she told TMZ sport. She said, she's too, she's much smaller than me anyways. She's like the size of my daughter, my three-year-old. So, of course, you know, Ronda Rousey being Ronda Rousey gave no fucks and said, you know, if Layla Ali needs a grappling lesson, you know, she's around. Um, definitely, you know, it's really interesting that things like that would come about, obviously, because, you know, the parallels between boxing and MMA 
are 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 different to a degree but in any case she did she did address Layla Ali's um comment in further detail she said if she wants to take me up on that I'm around she's retired and has several kids I understand why she think that because she has a size disadvantage but if you saw my last fight it had nothing to do with size or strength at all that's not how I beat people so you can't count having size and strength as an advantage against me of course Layla Ali who turned 37 in December is you know considered one of the greatest female boxers of all time she retired in 2007 with a professional record of 24 and 0 with most of the with 21 out of those 24 wins coming via knockout of course ronda rousey's on her way to a very very impressive mma legacy all you know 11 uh, all 11 of ronda rousey's professional fights thus far combined have yet to reach the 25 minute mark her last four title defenses only lasted roughly two minutes and 34 seconds. Just let that sink in for a minute. It's just, it's crazy. You know, everybody, everybody's trying to get their name in lights. And it's the same thing when Anderson Silva wanted a box with Roy Jones Jr. Nick Diaz wanted a box. Um, you know, all these guys, uh, Herschel Walker getting into MMA. At the end of the day, it's all about what makes sense. I mean, I understand what Leila Ali's doing and, getting her name out there but let's not kid ourselves she's 37 and i doubt she has any aspirations of getting in the cage so leave that shit alone <laughs> I'm, I'm serious just just leave the shit alone but as always i applaud i applaud rousey for you know stirring the pot a little bit and saying you know i, I could take you if you want to go and and stuff like that is just it's good it's good just for the sport and it just gets a lot of buzz going and the funny thing is that people look at it and they're like, yo, you know, she's cocky, whatever. Like I said, the statistics speak for themselves. Out of her 11 fights, none of them have pushed it beyond 25 minutes. She hasn't gone beyond 25 minutes in cage time in 11 fights. Let that sink in. The other thing I do got to say, and for, and for me personally, I feel that this is an age-old debate. When it comes to the the separation between mixed martial arts fans boxing fans wrestling fans you have you have those of us that follow all three you have those of us that follow only one and there's always going to be a lot of what if scenarios i mean we've talked about which wrestlers could transition from wrestling to mma successfully we've talked about which mixed martial artists would make great professional wrestlers you know, there's always going to be those debates. Same thing with boxing, which which boxers would make great mixed martial artists. There's always there's always going to be those debates. And I think they're good for all three sports. I think it's great for discussion. I mean, it's great for debate. It's it's tremendous. Not only that, but it's also it also shows that the lines aren't as segregated as many sports fans would like to think. On the contrary, Mike Tyson loves MMA, supports the sport, talks about the sport in a positive light. There's a lot of mixed martial artists that love boxing. I mean, even Ronda Rousey herself said that she'd like to take some of her fight money to go see uh, Pacquiao, you know, and and uh, Floyd Mayweather. And because of that, you know, again, it just shows that people people are always going to appreciate each other's work. It, it's 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 something that many of us realize, but not too many of us want to acknowledge because, again, everybody wants to hold their sports near and dear to their hearts. For me personally. Um, I, I'm a wrestling fan. I like mixed martial arts. I I don't have I don't have a passion for boxing like a lot of my a lot of close friends of mine. But 
you know, I, I, I know a little bit like anything else. I, you know, you know a little bit about everything. I know about a little bit about boxing and, you know, most of the boxing I watched was when I was a kid. Like I said, watching Muhammad Ali fight when I was younger, you know, they always used to give the fights on, um, you know, MSG classics and stuff like that. Uh, it was, it just, it just got my attention. But again, it got my attention because of the theatricality, because of the way that Ali just projected himself. Same thing uh, with Mike Tyson. Loved watching Mike Tyson fight. And again, I'm not a person that that sits through boxing matches, but you know, I've I've sat through the bulk of Mike Tyson's fights, most of of which lasted <laughs> very little time. But but again, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, two two of my favorites, and um, you know, like anything else. I don't I don't speak I don't speak ill of boxing. I never have. I respect it. It's the sweet science for a reason. I just my my attention span just can't sit through through an entire boxing match. Like I said, even MMA uh with its 15 minutes or 25 minutes, sometimes depending on how I'm watching it, you got to pause it and fast forward through most of the fight. It happens, but again, that's what happens when you have a short attention span. It is a byproduct unfortunately. But in any case, as I said, um, I doubt we're going to see Layla Ali and Ronda Rousey in a cage anytime soon. But hell, <laughs> you, you never know, man. And when it comes to the sport, strange things do happen. As I said, um, with regards to MMA getting sanctioned here in New York State, uh, again, the departure, well, the arrest of Sheldon Silver definitely has tipped the scales in the favor of MMA being sanctioned. But again, even if that does come to pass, you still got, you know, all those other regulations to get ironed out. And of course, there are venues to be discussed. But of course, the end all be all is getting a card at Madison Square Garden. Of course, the Barkley definitely is on their radar. And I'm sure Nassau Coliseum is as well. Again, once we hear news from the political side, I will definitely be ready, willing and able to report that as soon as possible. But with that said, it was a light week in MMA this week, so we're going to wrap things up and we're going to head into the week's wrestling news. And of course, Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 on orders of $70 or more to save $10 on your order. Again, WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders of $70 or more. All right, so let's talk about Monday Night Raw first. Of course, WrestleMania is roughly 18 days away and pretty much... And again, I've talked about this at, at length. Pretty much every episode of Raw thus far has been rather paint by numbers. And it's very easy for people to talk about it in a jaded sense or uh, talk about that it's, you know, academic or whatever. But I will say this. I do feel that the matches that they're that, that are going to carry WrestleMania, they're investing a good amount of energy into, but at the same time, they're also uh, not focusing on the cards that are going to round out and set the stage 
for post-WrestleMania. And the reason I say this is because we already know Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, the IC title. You know, we already see that there are things in the works, but all those matches, it's a very, very slower pace than usual. I think partly it's because they're probably going to get all their eggs in in one basket with the big raw on, on the 23rd of this month. But I also feel that the matches themselves, while they're very, they're anticipated, they're not anticipated as much as some of the matches that we've seen in WrestleMania's past. Obviously, Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker is an interesting match, but the match doesn't have that same level of importance as it would have had had it been him and The Undertaker prior to the streak being broken. It's almost like you want to watch it because you want to know how The Undertaker shows up and how he'll be able to endure uh, a match after the, the amount of brutality that he endured in that match against Brock Lesnar last year. Uh, with regards to John Cena and Rusev, there's a lot of really great storytelling at play there. Um, again, not a match that I have issue with because I do feel that John Cena not being the end-all be-all is a great direction. And I think for him personally, it's a great it's a great weight off his shoulders. And you can see he, he's, he's working fresh. He's working motivated. They're telling really good stories out there. Uh, is it a match that everybody's clamoring to see? Probably not. But in the grand scheme of things, a victory by Rusev over John Cena is is great for his career. It's great for his longevity, and it shows that he can hang in the main event. As for John Cena, if he does win the title, he's going to bring some 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 prestige and some focus to the U.S. title, which during Rusev's reign has essentially been a prop. It's not the same as with the IC title because there's a little bit more importance on the IC title, but at this point with that particular feud, it's pretty much a prop at this point as well. But with that said, let's get into Raw this week, which, like I said, had had its rights and its wrongs. Uh, the opening segment with Kane and, and the uh, with Kane and the rest of the Authority with Randy Orton was it was good, and the only reason I felt that it was good was because it allowed Randy Orton to kind of show more range than he usually does. Randy Orton is fucking boring. I say it all the time. He is a boring motherfucker. If he's not a heel kicking people in the head or doing some real super violent over-the-top shit, he is boring. He is terrible as a face, and as a heel, you have to let him pretty much be running on all cylinders. This, this I, I did feel that the promo was a great setup to what was going to transpire between him and Seth Rollins. The only downside, in my opinion, was that they pulled the trigger too soon. You still have two weeks till WrestleMania. You could have done something maybe next week and then really bring it full circle and drive it home the following. Um, the way I the way I figure it, when you look at when you look at something of that magnitude, you really got to ask yourself, is it worth pulling the trigger so quickly on two guys that really do a good job working with each other? And the reason I say that is Rollins and and, and Orton bring bring something fresh to the table for a couple of reasons. Rollins is a good worker and a good talker. And by him being both, it allows Orton to kind of step out of the usual paint by numbers, academic comfort zone that he's usually in again. And I say this all the time, 
Randy Orton gets by because he is a third generation guy that has the look and 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 the appeal that he's a bona fide main eventer. Like it's almost like he doesn't need to try as much because he knows his spot is secure. Now, people may debate me on this, but if you notice, it's only when he's really tested with fresh opponents that we see a little bit more of Randy Orton as a character. And and I think that that's really good and it speaks volumes of really his opponents, not so much Orton. Orton's wrestling ability is not terrible. Does he use a lot of rest holds? Absolutely. Is he boring as shit on the stick most of the time? Yes. But he has the look that screams, I am a main eventer. I am the face of this company. But like any other like any other guy who grows on the shoulders of his opponents, Randy Orton only shines against guys that bring him out of his lazy comfort zone. And when I mean lazy comfort zone, it's the usual anti-hero rhetoric that he usually does. In this case, you're bringing out a there's genuine emotion there which was exhibited post raw. I see that um Slick wants to chime in. I'm going to bring him in real quick and uh see what he has to add to the discussion. Slick, what's up? What's up, man? Not too much. This uh this opening of Raw was was, was it was good and bad. And you know, you and I have discussed this afterwards, you know, after after the live blog on Monday. And, um, you know, the, the execution was there. The timing was shit. Yeah. It's like, I, I felt like they're blowing their load too early. I mean, we are, we're still plenty of time away from WrestleMania. So that show before WrestleMania could be, you know, huge, but it feels like a lot of the stuff that happened on Monday should be happening two weeks from now. Right. Or at minimum next week, like Daniel Bryan, essentially, joining the IC title ladder match was a shoe-in and it was a given and his match with Bad News Barrett was angle advancement at this point like you can't even say it was a good match or a bad match because you know that it was the inevitable setup same thing with Ambrose and Stardust another match that while it was good it definitely was just done to move the ball forward and again I have no problem with that, but I do feel that Daniel Bryan being in this match is, I feel it's a step back for him as a performer, but I also feel that with the amount of talent in that match, their their job is going to be, we're going to steal the show. We're going to take over this entire card by delivering a match for the ages, because every guy that's in that match is 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 an amazing worker either they sell good they they work tight or they just deliver cohesive matches yeah and the thing is what you said earlier about the ic belt being a prop i mean this match and the way it's being built up is a prop (laughs) uh, well not even that It's, it's proof that wwe needs to bring back more belts because I'm not. I'm not trying to put it on a pedestal, but the way the Intercontinental Title is being treated right now is utterly disrespectful to the history of the WWE. I mean, this is the belt, literally the belt, right under yep. the World Championship. Yep, I I can and agree with that. Essentially, what's happening right now is you have what six guys playing hot potato with it. Well, that and also you, I, the way, and I've talked about this before, 
the old school way of looking at it is the guy that was your IC champion was essentially your number one contender. We, you know, I always I, that that was always the old way of looking at it. Hell, it goes back to when Warrior had the IC belt and he challenged Hogan. That was that was yeah. it. That was the logic at play. By doing this, it almost feels like WWE said, "Fuck, we got all these guys. They really should be on the card. What are we gonna do with them? All right, let's just all have them go after the IC title." And the reason that I that it bothers me is not so much the fact that you're we're getting this match, which is probably gonna be amazing. What bothers me is the fact that there was zero focus on the IC title for how long, and then all of a sudden you guys just put the foot on the gas to throw this match together. On top of the fact that, you know, Dolph Ziggler's inviting Daniel Bryan to compete, which, again, logistically, you want to prove yourself against the best. I can understand that. But if you're trying to get the prize, why would you get a guy who pretty much upset the establishment and took the the biggest prize last year. Yeah, because basically they, they, they're just trying to find a way to put a, a belt on, on Brian because they can't put the world title on him this year. And what do you call it? It's like the whole, you know, I got the belt, I got the belt. I wouldn't be so mad at, at that. I mean, it, it is funny, especially with what our truth did with the, right. the Toys R Us mock belt. Yep. It is funny to watch, but I wouldn't be so mad at it if the title was currently vacant. But you have a title holder, and it's like Wade Barrett is not a piece of shit. No, he's not. He's one of your better guys, and especially in the like in the big guy department, he's one of your better guys. And it's like again, it's disrespect. It's like they're, they're acting like he's not even a champion because. Essentially, when he comes into the match, he's not the champion because it's a ladder match, so he doesn't really even have to lose to lose the belt. And, like, how are you having a match like that when there is a title holder? That's the type of match you have when there is no title holder. And that's why, like, this whole build-up should be for, like, the TV title or some shit like that or the European title. Well, I, I could I could understand, you know, you're, where, where you're coming from, and, and you make a lot of valid points. But here's the problem. Wade Barrett, Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, those three guys could easily be main eventers. And I've talked about this when we joke about the alternate WWE Universe hashtag, and I'm actually going to put one up after the show today. In, in the alternate WWE Universe, you know, Wade Barrett just won the, the, the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania, and he won it in a best of seven series match against Daniel Bryan. You know, because, and the, and the reason I say this is because when you look at these guys, like, especially a guy like, like Wade Barrett, Wade Barrett has been on the cusp of main eventing numerous times, and the poor bastard's been derailed by injuries. You know, when he ripped out his shoulder that one time, he was supposed to win the money in the bank. He was supposed to win the other ladder match. Injury after injury have derailed the guy's career. And now that he's kind of starting to pick up steam again with the BNB gimmick, you're putting him in a match against guys that are pretty much super over. Over to the point of of nausea. Like, think about it. You're going into this match with Daniel Bryan, who the minute he sets foot on stage can put a crowd in the palm of his hand. 
And people are like, oh, people are going to get tired of, of chanting for Daniel Bryan. Yes, but guess what? It's no, no time soon. Not, not any time soon. Yeah, it's no time soon. And the problem with that is that instead of taking that guy and relegating him into that situation, you need to you need to harness that and leverage that for better exposure. You got to take a guy whose personality is that electric, whose personality is that popular, and utilize him better. When Austin three sixteen was everywhere, everywhere, Stone Cold music. Uh, football players talking about Austin 316. When it was at that level, Stone Cold was everywhere. Late night TV, he was there. TV shows, he was there. Award shows, he was there. When DX got to the top of the food chain, it was suck it chance everywhere. We got two words for you. You know, the, the crotch chop was was everywhere. You know, when the rock got up to that to, to that astronomical level. That he got before he left. He was everywhere. And Daniel Bryan. A guy who has an entire arena. And this is an arena. Young and old. It's not even like with John Cena. Where people boo him and cheer him. This is a guy who is unilaterally loved by everybody. Across the board. And they're not they're not pushing it the right way. And partly it's because they're scared. And the other part is because there's that stigma. Which and and it's there as much as they'll deny it. It's there. Daniel Bryan isn't theirs. You know what I mean? He create he he car, he carved out that that niche himself. Yeah, basically. And I mean, I mean, I'm while you were saying that, I'm just thinking about the match because I never really gave it any thought. But I mean, anything's possible, especially with the WWE. But the likelihood of Wade Barrett walking out of that match with the belt. All jokes aside, with the stealing the belt from him and all that shit, the, the odds of him leaving that match the champion are pretty much zero. You have the guy who last year beat Triple H and then beat the rest of the <clears throat> excuse me, you beat Orton and and, and Blutista and won the belt in the right. main event in WrestleMania. Right. Next to him, you have the guy who basically stole the Royal Rumble. Right. And and temporarily got rid of the authority. Right. We, I mean, you have our truth, which unfortunately, as much as you know, he is a talented performer. He ain't winning that belt. He's not winning the belt, but you know, he's gonna and probably have one of the better spots of the night. Probably, but it's like, in all honesty, Wade Barrett probably should win that match. I mean, and I consider it's a ladder match. He's not necessarily a high flyer, but I mean. Wade Barrett should be beating the shit out of just about everybody except for is it Harper? Or, no, it's it's yeah, it is Harper. It's Harper that's in the mess. I always I always mix them up. About the only person he should have any trouble with is Harper. Everybody else should be basically tossing around the ring to the point where they're out cold and he can just climb the ladder. But he's not winning that match. No, I, I you know I don't I don't disagree. I think that my issue with the entire thing is the fact that. You're taking this guy that is essentially, you know, he, he is the uh, the favorite. But here's here's where I see this going. It's either going to end up being Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, or Dean Ambrose. And either one of those three guys winning it, I don't have a problem with. But you have to also allow Wade Barrett to have an individual feud with the winner post-WrestleMania. You got to also look at it. WrestleMania usually 
is, you know, all the faces win, you know, like evil, evil gets thwarted. And in this case, Wade Barrett is the quote unquote evil in this equation. True. So, right. I mean, honestly, you're right about what you said about those three, but the likelihood that anybody other than Brian is walking out of there with that belt is also very low. Because like I said, we know it ain't going to be Barrett. And Ziggler and Ambrose have already had the title within the last year. So, yeah, they are viable contenders to walk out of there with the belt. But they, considering how the crowd has been responding to the results of, you know, recent pay-per-views. Right. They kind of need to put a belt on Brian. Okay. All right. Well, you you make a you may you have a val you have a valid argument. I think I think that the next two weeks are going to be very very telling, and it's all we're also I think going to start seeing that the lines between the faces and heels is going to start being even more blurred. Because if you notice now, the faces come out, they fight the heels, they kind of look at each other. But if you notice, Dean Ambrose is kind of pushing it just a little bit extra. You know, he'll bump Brian on the way out. Or, you know, he'll bump Dolph Ziggler. Like, it's it's there, you know? It's definitely there. Yeah, and, I mean, honestly, has Ambrose... I mean, he's popular, but has he ever actually turned face? Well, he shouldn't. Ambrose would... The same way I say Randy Orton sucks as a face, Dean Ambrose would suck as a face. Dean Ambrose needs to be the guy that has no allegiances. Like Stone Cold. He could just as easily give a stunner to the ref give a stunner to his opponent, give a stunner to an authority figure. It needs to be that way. If you're trying to build a guy as a crazy guy, as a loose cannon, that's how it has to be done. And if not him, then Stardust. Dean Ambrose is the dead pool of the WWE. That's, that's, a pretty, that's, a, that's a pretty good assessment. That is a pretty good assessment. No allegiances, no loyalties, nothing. But, again, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting situation. Um... You know, we got essentially two weeks to see how it pans out. So we're gonna see if 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 the if those lines, like I said, start to be blurred. And it's funny that you mentioned blurred lines because the situation with Cena and Rusev, the way that played out was it was fantastic to me. But they kind of killed it after the show went off because first you have Cena walk up to Rusev. He says, you know. You want to be proud of your country? Great. You want to, you know, you want to represent Russia when you go down to the ring and, and, you know, present the flag, be a hero. Do that. That's all great. You, you can tell him, do what you want to do, but it's like, you talk about the U.S. one more time, we'll fuck you up. He called his bluff. He got fucked up. I mean, he got legit, I mean, you know, as far as wrestling, but he put his ass to sleep, woke him up, pouring water on him, and put his ass to sleep again and walked out the ring. With Lana basically, you know, quote unquote, crying pretty much. Right, but and the look on his face when he did it goes back to that whole thing he was saying about blurring lines. Because when he got up after the second SDF, where he put where he put Rusev to sleep again, that look on his face said it, it basically said like if I had a gun on my head, I'd put like six in his head right now. Well, you know what it is. The but reason then after Raw they had this interview with him on the network. And he was all calm. I'm like, I thought he was going to be exploded on the mic. But no, he was all calm. Well, I think I think the Cena thing had to be done because he has been bitched out the bulk of this quote-unquote feud. So he had to gain the upper hand. Also, 
Lana's supposed to be taking some time off to film a movie. So by me making Lana the catalyst and putting Rusev in the match, if he loses, he can get rid of Lana, which in a way might be good for him because it'll allow him to perform without the crutch. Well, I mean, it'll, it'll be, I mean, good for him because if he has any kind of mic skills, he'll have to come out. Yep. Well, he but has at something. The same time, it's not necessarily good for him because you think about it, at, at what's the name, at Fastlane, he only won because of one. Right. But what I'm saying is that, that she's, she's doing, she's going to do this movie with Edge. And, um, you know, that, that's a given. So using her as kind of the catalyst at this point is easy because he could just be like, yo, you're staying home or I don't need you out there. Like, it's a very, very easy way to just, all right, you know, Lana's on the, on, on the out, you know, like you could do something like that. And, and again, easy, it writes itself at this point. But as I said, a loss for Rusev isn't necessarily bad. And I, and you've heard me say this before. Rusev is kind of trapped in the square of being this undefeated guy. At the end of the day, it's how you it's how you react after being knocked down, how you get up that matters. Being knocked down, yeah, you know, you lost, but so what? At the end of the day, you're looking at a guy that is incredibly agile for his size and has an intimidating yeah. presence. I mean, yeah, there's big guys on the roster, but Rusev is booked as the guy. You know what I mean? The guy to beat, yes. Yeah, that's you know he's he's booked as the guy to beat, and if you beat him, it it I but, but let me put it this way: if WWE was smart, after he loses, he would he should just wage a path of destruction across that entire roster, which he definitely could do. Exactly, and that'll be a good way to just get him back on the forefront. Because remember, they were teasing a feud with him and Ryback, and they put that on the back burner because they wanted to put him in the program with Cena, which. It's basically coming back to... I saw an article talking about WrestleMania 31 as a turning point for Cena losing his top spot. I was like, no the hell it isn't. Nope. It's not a turning if point Cena at all. wins at WrestleMania, he ends Rusev's unbeaten streak, which nobody else has been able to do recently. Well, let me let me so put it... That basically puts him in a, in a light, also gives him a belt. Yeah, but here's here's where I see Cena as for WrestleMania. I think John Cena has realized and he's and I think, you know, he he'll never admit it because he's not going to, but I also think that he realizes that it it it's very very hard to carry a company yourself. And and I think he's kind of putting the 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 pressure on the company like, "Yo, you need to create a new guy." I think that's partially it because think about the last couple of WrestleManias and it's been John Cena pretty much at the forefront by put it, by removing him from the equation, you are forcing everybody to work harder because everybody figures ah, John, John will, will go out there and have a good match with whoever. That's not the case. There's a lot more pressure now on the, on the, on the back, on the back and, and, and on Roman Reigns, especially because everybody's telling this poor bastard, yo, you're the guy. And he's got to go out there and try his hardest to be the guy. Because John Cena's like, yo, I'm good with being the fucking guy. You guys have gotten complacent. And they have. Think about it. What is the last bona fide star outside of Daniel Bryan who pretty much wrote his own ticket that they've created? That's successful. Think about it. The closest thing right now, I guess, would be Ziggler and 
he really hasn't done much. Right. I mean, they're, they're in the process of trying to build up range, but we don't know where that's going to go yet. Yep. But think about it. Outside of that, and even Ziggler, Ziggler's gotten to the point he's gotten because the crowd has kind of put the, the has kind of forced the issue. At the end of the day, you got to realize that there's a lack of of stars being created, but that's also because they're afraid to take risks. The only guy that they've taken a risk on is Seth Rollins, and that's because with Seth Rollins, they pretty much have a guy who's covered all on all bases. He can talk, he can wrestle, he can present himself clean when he needs to. You know what I mean? It's not hard for him. No, and I mean, Cena has, in, over the last you know year and a half, made it a point to try to put other people on the line. I mean, even though he won at WrestleMania 30, look at where Bray Wyatt is now. He, he's going after The Undertaker. Right. He's trying to cement his own legacy and start building his own legacy by basically, you know, effectively putting the Undertaker in a casket. Right, but here's 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 an interesting uh, situation. Uh, a friend of mine brought to my attention. He goes, he you know he we were he was we were talking about basketball, and he goes, you know, everybody talks all this shit about Phil Jackson being the best coach, but of course, of course, you're going to be the best coach when you win championships with Jordan and Pippen, you know what I mean? With with some of the best guys in the game. Or when you win championships with Kobe Bryant and Shaq, you know, you're gonna be the best in the game. WWE's in that same in that same situation and they're the, they're playing the role of Phil Jackson and here's why. How do you expect to not be at the top of the food chain when over the last few years we've had Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Batista, Triple H Chris Jericho, you know what I mean? It's been a it's been a who's who of guys that can pretty much deliver on the main event level. Even Batista, love him or hate him, when Batista first turned face the first time and he broke away from Evolution, the guy was fucking on fire. You know, Rey Mysterio, even though he pretty much got what he got his title run based on the passing of Eddie Guerrero, still Rey Mysterio at at that exact moment was untouchable and that's what i'm saying when you're when you're going over the last few years with a roster of guys that are just you know main eventer after main eventer after main eventer you get complacent and that's what's happening i mean even if what you're saying is right that john cena is, is trying to keep the company going by by stepping back and and saying you know build up some other guys he's basically picking who gets built up because last year at WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan won the title. Right. But who put him in that position? Who started that road with that, that ended with him winning those belts? It was John Cena. Right. But that was because John Cena and, and he, and it's been said, John Cena said, yo, I want to put Daniel Bryan. He's it's been said that he said, I want to put Daniel Bryan over clean. And that's what you need. That's what I'm saying. You have because he saw the writing on the wall. Yo, here's this guy that's at the top of at the top of the game right now that nobody can touch, and the company doesn't believe in him the way that the that the that the boys in the back do. So with I'm gonna use my clout and do the right thing, and yeah, Vince or Triple H or whoever could be like, no, you know, we don't want to do that. But even though they say that, the guys that are in that position kind of kind of can 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 dictate the pace a little bit. 
it's like The Undertaker. The Undertaker could have worked with anybody, but The Undertaker actually asks who he wants to work with. Exactly. It's been said that he he was like, yo, Brock is breaking the streak. You know? Again, because he realized... Huh? I said, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and the thing about that is, again, you become a slave to that. Like, John Cena has to be the slave, you know, the slave that has to carry the company on his shoulders. It's like, yo, you have a roster of of you know 250 wrestlers or what or whatever the case may be you mean to tell me that out of that entire roster of guys you don't have five or six guys that can be the flag bearers for your company because fuck i could name them off the top of my head dolph ziggler daniel bryan finn balor ryback you know hideo itami if he gets his english on point adrian neville sammy fucking zane kevin owens come on man it's it's it's, I'm wondering why, like some of these guys are still in NXT, but that's another discussion. Right. Well, the the thing about NXT is, and 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 I've and I've gone on record saying this numerous times. If you're gonna come up to the main roster and be, you know, a security guy or a stylist or a fucking office clown or whatever, stay stay in NXT. Leave them down there. That's all I'm Absolutely. saying. So you know what? I'll 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 leave it. I'll leave it at that. But you see how I just named a list of guys between the main roster and NXT that you can build up as your next guy. Roman Reigns could be that guy. Not right now, but he can be. Which yeah, leads me... put a little play on words and put out a bad pun. I don't understand how these guys do so well in NXT. They bring them up to the main roster and, you know, the, the, the writers for WWE just don't believe in them. Well, you know what the problem is, and it's funny you say that. The problem is that it's two different types of creative at play, you know, and, and the problem at the at the end of the day is that in NXT, Vince doesn't really fuck around down there. Like, he doesn't touch NXT per se. That's like Triple H's baby down there. But he's got to watch it. He watches it, like Triple H said in an interview. They're like, so how does Vince feel about NXT? He's like, he watches it, but, you know, that's it. He watches it, but what's... But it's like, how do you watch these guys and then... When they bring up bring them up to to the main roster, you're like making the clown. I'm like, how? Because at that because there's a different level of thinking when you shift gears. It's no different than than people's interpretation of music. I can ask you, someone in the chat, and myself who they feel are are good representatives of hip hop. And you're going to give me guys that may not be on my list that people in the chat may not even consider. And it's, that's because it's all relative. You know, it's all it's, everybody has a different stake when it comes to that. Like Vince's opinion of, of, of the ideal superstar, the ideal wrestler is a guy that's six, six, 240 pounds is jacked and can cut a good promo. And that's not the ideal, you know, things have evolved to the point where, yes, you know, being jacked and, 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 and having great mic work is important. But if you can't connect with the crowd, none of that means anything. That's, I mean, it's crazy. Man. I, I, I get exactly what you're saying, but I, I still don't see it. It's like how you can see somebody perform so well and then you don't give them a chance. But Well, here's, here's a good example. Whatever. I mean, I, I don't... Uh, no, what I, what I was going to say was, you, you know, just to move things along, when they announced the Warrior Award, you know, for, 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 for Connor the Crusher, and, and they announced that, and, you know, you saw people on, 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 you know, on Twitter, and they're like, yeah, you know, it's cool that they're doing that, 
you know, but you're naming the award after a guy who is probably one of the worst wrestlers. And I go, that right there is why people are fucking stupid. Because it's like, yes, the Ultimate Warrior, not a mat technician, not a not a guy that could go out there and, you know, do a hundred submissions and a hundred flips and all that. But he brought something to the to the equation to the table that is missing. You wanna know what that is? Intensity and belief in his fucking gimmick. I'm like I don't understand how people ever ever say that the ultimate warrior sucks because wrestling is I mean, when I say wrestling, I mean WWE, NWA, WCW, TNA, stuff like that. Wrestling is entertainment. Right. The ultimate warrior fucking had the most insane, nonsensical, gotta rewind it five times to figure out what the fuck he said promos. Right. He he had better promos than Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage because they were fucking insane. Right, but that's... He came to the ring. He literally shook the whole fucking ring. Right. I'm like, how is this guy not a fantastic performer in anybody's eyes? Well, you, you don't have to like him. Right. But you can't say he wasn't a great performer. Right, but, but you see how you compared him to Hogan and Savage? Hogan and Savage were each elite for their own reasons. Hogan brought the mainstream appeal. Because let's be realistic. Hogan's wrestling was shit. <laughs> let's be realistic. Run into my shoe. <laughs> Come on. You know? If I, <laughs> run into my shoe. Let me lift up my leg and you run into my fucking shoe. You know? This is a guy who's who had who, who had a receding hairline, but who had the charisma to 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 people couldn't even look but let me put it to you like this. People when it came to Hulk Hogan didn't couldn't even clown the motherfucker cuz he had a skullet. They were like, "Yo, Hulk Hogan's the fucking man." You know? Say your prayers, take your vitamins. Motherfucker, you are bald. I'm not taking any advice from you, but didn't mean shit. That's what I'm saying. You know, you look at Randy Savage. Randy Savage embodied every aspect of professional wrestling that is lacking. He was amazing on the mic. He was intense. He had belief and conviction in his promos. And above all else, he could fucking wrestle with the best of them. His match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat remains the flag bearer for wrestling matches. And anybody who wants to who wants to challenge that, give me a match that can exceed that match in terms of storytelling, mat work, and just overall presentation. There are very few matches that are even in that league. And if and if they are in that league, they may not even be in the WWE. <laughs> True. They're probably in Japan. They're probably in Japan. They're probably in any other promotion. But dude, Savage and Steamboat, uh, tremendous. Randy Savage brought, and again, R- Randy Savage embodied a complete performer. Could wrestle, was intense, great promos, even though sometimes they made no fucking sense either. But fuck it, back then, that's how it was. Another guy, Jake the yep. Snake. Jake the Snake, not the mo- not not jacked at all. You know, just a regular dude in good shape that cut some of the most eerie and ominous promos, but could go out there and and wrestle a wet bag of hair and make it look good. Same could be said. Honestly, I mean, you think about it. Back then, most most of the the, the locker room 
could cut a decent promo. Most. Most of them had a gimmick. I mean, nowadays, you got half the, the roster going by their quote-unquote real name. Well, it's that's... like nobody has a wrestling identity anymore. But that's because we're in the in the quote unquote reality era. That's just an evolution of the medium, an evolution of the product. Like, let, let, here's a here's a good example: Paul Heyman's promo. Paul Heyman's promo, depending on how you look at it, can be considered a shoot promo, unless you're a student of uh, a student of the game and you know that Paul Heyman likes to blur that line because it adds a level of believability to his promos that is seldom seen. When he said that that Roman Reigns' father was one generation removed from a savage, I lost my fucking mind. Yeah, it's talking about going to the bar. Like, if there's any man left standing, you don't get dinner tonight. I was like, wow. But He's that's like really going in. Right, but but you got to look at it like that because when you when you have to when you have a guy like Brock Lesnar, who is for all intents and purposes. Uh, you know, he, he's essentially a Jaeger and Paul Heyman is the fucking pilot. <laughs> that's, that's really what it is. Brock Lesnar's the Jaeger. Heyman is the pilot. And that's how it goes. And he goes out there and he points his finger and Brock Lesnar smashes. And that's the thing. Brock Lesnar, even though his mic work leaves a lot to be desired, his promo work is still passable when they allow him to be himself. Brock Lesnar is an antisocial yeah. human being, and the minute that he acknowledges he that, above uh, a caveman. Yeah, you know what I mean. But but again, using using that analogy for for Roman Reigns' father, when Brock Lesnar's you know uh, three generations removed from a caveman is a joke in and of itself. But again, think of <laughs> think of, think of what's happening here. Brock Lesnar is a throwback. He is a, a complete wrestler who needs a manager. It's no different than Bobby the Brain Heenan and King Haku and Bobby the Brain Heenan and the Warlord or Mr. Fuji and the Orient Express, you know, that the manager has to carry the, the, the load in this particular instance. And, of course, people jump out and they're like, yeah, but, you know, Brock Lesnar's hardly there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, I go, and, and my response is, even if Brock Lesnar wasn't there, it's not like the belt is changing hands every Monday, <laughs> you know? The, the belt is changing hands when it matters at pay-per-views. And the guy is being billed, billed as an attraction, as a monster, as a phenom. Him coming out there, you know, it's like Allen Iverson when, he, when they like, oh, practice. And he's like, practice? The fuck is that? You know, Brock, SmackDown? <laughs> That's his response. Brock, are we going to see you on main event? Main of what? Fuck out of here. You know? Heyman stole an entire three-hour show when he said that if Brock wants wants to spend his summer unifying the UFC and WWE titles, he will. Right, but think about that. The rumors have been floating around for how long that Brock Lesnar may or may not renew his contract and go to the UFC. So what what Paul Heyman did was, hey, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. And the crowd was like, oh, shit. Because, again, once you start realizing the bigger picture and you realize the world outside of the four corners of the ring, it makes the promo sound better. And I like that they shut off his mic. I like that because it showed that, oh, shit, you know, this guy went into business for himself. His champion is this uncontrollable fucking monster. He has no agenda. He has no allegiance. His only allegiance is to that little bald guy with a microphone. 
basically. That's that's key. That's very important. People don't people look at it and they're like, you know, to let Paul Heyman come out there and cut that promo and blah blah blah. What's he gonna do? Is he gonna cut is he gonna cut promos for Roman Reigns too? Fuck it, let him. Let let Paul Heyman cut a promo. Let, let Paul Heyman cut a promo into a split screen Paul Heyman with a wig on that looks like Roman Reigns. Fuck it. Oh shit. I'm serious because but basically you have in, in that duo you have a beast in the ring and a beast on the microphone. Exactly. It's a, like I said, it is a throwback to the days when Bobby the Brain Heenan would come out there with Ming or the Warlord or whoever these monsters these these larger-than-life individuals who, whose job is to go out there and punish, break, and destroy. That's it. And the manager carries the, carries the rest of the load. It works. Anyway, Kane and the Big Show, the dynamic duo of Suck, took on the team of Double R of Rowan and Ryback in what was pretty much an academic snooze fest, which pretty much only was used to set the stage for Stephanie McMahon to give them the boot. Uh, then we got Wiz Khalifa essentially uh, pretty much boring everybody for 20 minutes. And here's the funny thing. Wiz Khalifa had longer th- had a longer performance than the two Divas matches of the night. Yep. Put together. Yep. So, just so we know. Speaking of the Divas matches, I, I just... I, I don't know. It's like I really wonder if they... If they could just get rid of it again, because the first one was absolute garbage, but then the second one with Naomi and Natalia, it you know it it started decent. It had some you know some decent spots, and then Naomi puts her ass in her face, and it's over. I'm like, that that's your finisher for the match. Well, a- AJ AJ and Summer Rae had a rather decent match actually. I was I was pleasantly surprised at the psychology that was at work there. But at the end of the day, again, this was just angle advancement at work. But at least we saw more out of Summer Rae in this match than we've seen out of Summer Rae in matches prior. So, you know, I take I take it for what it's worth. But again, it amuses me that Wiz Khalifa had a longer had a longer performance than two Divas wrestling matches. Not to say that the Divas should get 25-minute matches, but you should also respect the ability of the of at least the women that are in there and give them five minutes or ten minutes at best. You think? Um, I mean, I I caught I managed to catch the most of NXT tonight, and even though it wasn't great, Alexa Bliss versus Carmella was better than the last ten Divas matches I've seen. And the funny thing is that Carmella needs more work, but even her even her with less work is more bearable. Than what's on the main product, and Alexa Bliss is pretty much being groomed as the as the next, you know, as the next one. Like you look at her, you're like, yo, this chick is is marketable. You see it immediately. Yeah, I mean, she's attractive. She's got a nice body. She has moves that need some polish, but they're not bad. But she has, well, you know, I mean, all that works. But she's also girl next door, small you know, to overcome the odds against, you know, bigger divas. You know, there's, 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 there's story, there's psychology at play. I mean, that's one of the reasons why so many people like AJ, because AJ is not what, you know, what the typical WWE diva is. They like AJ because they think she's going to bring back CM Punk. Yeah. I, well, well, yeah, you could put an asterisk next to that, but even prior to that entire CM Punk fiasco, you know, AJ definitely was, 
ahead because she did not embody what is expected, the, the conventional. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right about that, but the, the crowd paid more attention to her when the relationship between her and CM Punk became more well-known. Yeah, but that's because but that's because we are also in the era where all the stuff that, you know, we never knew when we were kids is pretty much open to the public now. You know, like in the old days, you, right. we were we weren't 100% sure if Randy Savage was really with Miss Elizabeth, you know? Yeah. So, things like that. I mean, I understand it. The other thing that bothered me was that fucking video package for Sting. It's like you have Sting cut a promo with what's essentially James Earl Jones doing his voice. I mean, I've said it for the longest time. Right. I, I, the, the whole way they're building up this match is, is garbage to me. I have zero interest in that match. And it, it it's not so much that, I mean, I, I have always been a Triple H fan because whether he's, you know, a face or a heel, it's like he he's a good worker. He, he definitely delivers good matches and not because he's a fantastic wrestler. He just... He sells stories. So, I mean, I have no doubt that the match will be decent. Right. But I just have no interest in it because they're just, the way they're packaging Sting, to me, is boring. Yeah, they're not, they're not taking a guy who was essentially the guy in WCW and doing, doing him justice. Like I said, you're letting the guy, quote-unquote, speak on Raw for the first time and you're you're altering his voice. You know, you're making it you're making it way too childish. You know, you're going way too deep into into the into the cookie jar, so to speak. It is what it is, though. Well, what e- they're gonna do. well, even when you look at the whole thing with um with Bray Wyatt and the Undertaker, you, the the thing that ruined that was I'm like first I'm like why is this table so fucking high? <laughs> I'm like why is this table like pretty much up to his chest? And then I'm like, all right, smoke is coming out of the urn. We got it. The thing that was really fucking terrible was when the camera's like floating around, like pointing at the ceiling and shit. And I'm like, okay, is the Undertaker in the skybox? Like, is his silhouette up there? Like, what's going on? And then it just comes back and the and the, uh, the Rocky chair's on fire. And we were talking about this off air. And, you know, a buddy of mine said to me, he goes, the fact that the camera's panning around, you know how stupid that must have looked if you were in the live audience that these fucking guys run out, take the table off the fucking, off the rocking chair, and then the, excuse me, the rocking chair catches fire? Like, imagine being in the live audience for that. Like, get the fuck out of here. Seriously. I, you know, it, it's funny because I was annoyed because, like I said, the camera's, like, flying all over the place. I'm like, yo, what, what is happening? And then when it just comes back, I'm like, oh, the Rocky chair is going to go on fire. And the funny thing is, you know, in in HD, you see the gel on the chair. I mean, I, I feel like, especially this, this was really the episode that really sealed it. It's like, they need to stop, you know, touting Raw as live. Yep. Stop putting the live, the live banner on there because if it was live, you wouldn't have conveniently been able to frame the camera to to hide Randy Orton double barrel. Well, no, well, no, it's, it's live. But the thing is that Randy Orton is like, I'm sure they, they already had talked it out and he goes, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to flip the bird. And they were like, all right, so make sure your position like X, like that was already again, wrestling predetermined, no big deal. 
The thing that got me was by having Randy Orton do that. And, you know, you and I spoke about this last last week. Well, not last week. Um, after Raw, it was the fact mm-hmm. that I said that that would have been cool on 316. You know, it would have been it would have been a nice subtle homage and it would have it would have panned out nicely. Not only that, but again, pulling the trigger too soon. You could have done the slow burn, destroyed, started creating dissension among the authority and then just strike next week. Now it's going to be two weeks of Randy Orton whooping Seth Rollins ass and vice versa. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And that goes back to what you said earlier about Randy being boring. It's like he he needed to get curb stomped twice because the hate that he's displaying for for Seth Rollins right. is you know essentially putting him over. I mean, not that he needs to be put over, but it's it's helping the story immensely. Yep, tremendously. It's like you think of any any kind of feuds he's had in the past. Four years is like, do you really give a shit about it? Yep, it's true. But um, even if you're a Randy Orton fan, like, can you think of any feud he's had that really mattered? No, not at all. Not to the point where it matters with Rollins. And I know that the match that they're gonna have is probably gonna be another match that's gonna be very, very memorable, and primarily for the brutality of it. But again, you gotta let Randy Orton play that unhinged, you know, Austin three sixteen style character that they're trying to make. They're trying to make him that guy, you know, the 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 gray, you know, the guy who's not not a face, not a heel, just just there. And that's good because, you know, RKO out of nowhere. But um, again, you got to you got to believe in that all the way. And not only that, but at the end of this entire night, it was all about making Roman Reigns look strong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> even 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 with Randy Orton whooping Seth Rollins ass. It still made Roman Reigns look strong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Basically. I have a, a quick question regarding WrestleMania for you. Shoot. Considering the you know, all the shit that the build up that's going through it, the past matches and stuff, don't you think I mean one of the other one of the other is not both, but more so Cena versus Rusev more so that match than um Lesnar versus Reigns? Don't you think that that match really needs to be best of three falls? Uh, I think so. I think it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt that match. Actually, it would not. A two out of three fall match would not would not hurt that match at all because Cena didn't quit, and then and you could use that as the you know the motivator for that match because Rusev will be like you know I'm not only going to hurt you once I'm going to hurt you twice. Like, there's good story there. It's fine. But you know what it is? If you start adding stipulations to every match, you know, it becomes pretty much tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs at that point. <laughs> no, not every match. But, I mean, like, I mean, we already have a lot of matches. Okay. And it's it's basically a free-for-all lot of match. So, you know, that that's that's one. It's just because of the situation, I, I feel like Rusev versus Cena should be you know, two or three falls, or at least like no disqualification at the very least. No I have disqualification. A, I have a feeling Rollins and 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 Orton is going to probably be no DQ. Well, Rollins and Orton, I, I think should be like a, they need to take that back to freaking like <laughs> um, Holly versus Al Snow, some shit like that. Well, if you goes all over the place, but oh yeah, well that I mean mean, that that's a match that literally could go in and out of the building. 
That is true. I mean, if you really wanted to take that match and, and do something special with it to prevent interference from the authority, you could probably do it as a steel cage match. And that would be good because, you know, Seth Rollins would try and like curb stomp him off the top of the cage or some shit because he's insane. Or he'll probably do the Phoenix splash off the top of the cage. Yes, that would, that would definitely be a WrestleMania <laughs> moment. You know it. That would and that's def- the thing. It's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm only saying these things and popping these ideas because I'm thinking, you know, we need, you know, even though it's not 30, it's 31, we need WrestleMania moments. Of course we do. Always. And I don't see, I don't see too many of them in the making. It's like, of course it could have, I don't see Triple H versus Sting having a WrestleMania moment. <laughs> That depends on how they want to end it, how that's going to end. The one here, Here's a couple of things that we still haven't even thought about. A, the unresolved issues between Miz and Mizdow. Will that happen at WrestleMania? What's going to happen with the tag team titles? Are they going to be defended? Will it be a multi-team tag match? I wouldn't be shocked. Or will it be, you know, a four-corners, uh, four-corner elimination match? Or even better, will it be a ladder match? Well, you can't have two out of matches. That would just be silly. But Miz and Mizdow looks like it would be the, the opener. pre-show match. Yep, the opener. Because that shit's still well, unresolved. The opener. And, and, we, and, and we still got the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, too. Let's not forget that. Which well, is... That, if Kofi Kingston's not in that match, then they're fucking up. Well, no, I think that um the New Day got a victory over... Uh, no, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't get a victory over them. I thought they did against uh, Cesaro and. Uh, no, they did get a victory on Cesaro and Kid. I think. Yeah, the two day one because it wasn't a title match. Right. Yeah, they did. They did one. They they did win. Excuse me. So uh, again, that you you have all these teams getting victories on Kid and Cesaro. So you know there's gonna that's that the payoff for that is gonna be some sort of a match with all those teams as well. Yeah, but I'm just saying, any any over the top battle royal match, it, it should be a damn WWE law that Kofi Kingston has to be in there because he he makes those matches. He does have moments. He does, is, you know, avoiding touching the floor shit. No, I, but I agree. Cesaro, obviously, wh- whether they defend the belts or not, Cesaro pretty much has to be in that match just because of the bullshit that went down last year with them breaking his trophy. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That that's going to be interesting. I wanted to to get into the other wrestling news of the week just to uh, to wrap things up. Um, all Ray, it, all signs all signs point to Rey Mysterio debuting at Lucha Underground at the next set of TV tapings. Of course, Rey Mysterio no longer with the WWE, um, working a lot of independence a lot of independent days. He's working with AAA. Um, he's going to be involved in a match with the original Sin Cara and Alberto Del Rio. Um, they're going to be involved in a, a trio-style match. And I think Rey Mysterio going to Lucha Underground, he says he's healthy. Um, I, I think that's going to really help get that promotion on the map. Just because, again, you got a guy like Rey Mysterio who's recognized across the world. That, ma- that mask is iconic. So, you know, I think that that's going to be very, very interesting with regards to Lucha Underground's future. I agree. I mean, Rey Mysterio has always been big with the kids and... That'll definitely help that promotion go over. The only more more seats. Well, the only there is one small issue 
And that's that WWE owns the trademark for Rey Mysterio in terms of name, image, and likeness for merchandising or clothing. Meaning, Rey Mysterio spelled R-E-Y-M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-O is owned by WWE. He's been appearing in Mexico under his old WCW name, which was Rey Mysterio Jr. And in um, he's also been appearing with the names spelled a different way, spelled M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O. So I think that he's trying to make sure that he's covered with the other names because I'm sure WWE is going to be like, well, we own Rey Mysterio. On, but it's also interesting because Rey Mysterio stopped cashing WWE checks last year because he said that if he it's been said that if he was going to get into a legal battle with them he wanted to ensure that he's you know that he didn't accept any money from the company makes sense i think i think probably it's either going to be ray mysterio junior or probably ray mysterio m i s t e r i o cuz you know ray r e y mysterio with the y in it that's wwe is not going to even let him touch that especially with the way shit went down with him going to uh, you know a luchador promotion, uh, he'll he'll find a way around it. Of course. Well, Sincara, the original Sincara, is working as uh, Mistesis at um at other promotions because WWE, of course, owns Sincara. So he couldn't even he couldn't even take that with him. Same thing with Alberto Del Rio. Well, he's going he's going by Alberto El Patron. He can't even go as Alberto Del Rio because you know WWE made sure to lock that shit down too. They can keep that fucking name. <laughs> he's been doing good, man. I got to give credit where credit is due. He's not as he's not a boring sack of shit everywhere else. Well, the thing is, he has a good repertoire of moves. He, I mean, he's a good worker. I mean, between his wrestling and MMA background, he he's definitely a good performer. I mean, they just didn't let him do shit, just dude. Gotta let him exactly. He was he was crippled in WWE. Was right on my mouth. Yep. And the. Uh, they they cripple a lot of the guys. It's like, the fun. Bring back the hardcore matches. I mean, you you, you do all this shit outside of the ring. You got freaking supposed, you know, supposedly, allegedly, Seth Rollins curb stomping people into cinder blocks and shit. Well, but you can't have a hardcore match. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. And a reason I I want to discuss that is because we all know the, the you know the allegations that have been going around with Bill Demott obviously led to him resigning from the company. And it's been said that a lot of the, you know, a lot of it was because he was verbally uh, abusive. Uh, he spoke, um, you know, using racist phrases and different comments that just didn't work that, you know, just real terrible shit. And a lot of the people on the independents that were with WWE at one time or another have pretty much said that, yeah, a lot of that shit is, is true. Now, the crazy thing is that there was a rumor of, of an incident when, uh, Kevin Owens was debuting at NXT Arrival. If you remember when Kevin Owens debuted, you know, this is a guy that, you know, he did the rolling senton, he flew over the top rope in, in his debut match, and allegedly, when he said that he was going to do that stuff, Bill DeMott was like, yo, you can't do that shit. And allegedly, Kevin Owens went over his head to Triple H and was like, yo, this dude is saying I can't do that stuff, and Triple H pretty much was like, yo, let him do whatever he needs to do. So, it's been said that a lot of people were kind of annoyed because they're like, yo, you you cripple us when we get here from the independents, and then all of a sudden, you know, this you're letting this guy rock because he's he's one of your pet projects. Again, it's speculation, it's rumor, but it's just an interesting it's an interesting climate 
now that Bill DeMott is gone. Now, the funny thing is that Matt Bloom, a.k.a. Tenzai, he's actually now the head trainer uh, replacing Bill DeMott. So it's going to be interesting to see how NXT performs now and how the superstars perform with a guy like Matt Bloom, you know, like Tenzai being involved. And the reason I think it's a good it's a good opportunity is because Tenzai, you know, Matt Bloom or Albert, however you want to call him, has been with the company both during the Attitude Era, plus he worked in Japan, plus he worked, you know, the you know the reality era of now. So this is a guy that has a wealth of experience. Yeah. You know, Bill DeMott, dude, you know, that's WCW and old Attitude Era. But I think that that you know, in in Albert in in Albert's case, he um he brings up a more diverse uh, skill set to the table because this is a guy who in Japan was was the fucking man. Plus, he's worked, you know, during, like I said, during the Attitude Era, he understands strong style wrestling. He understands how to cut a promo, how to deal with the hard camera. So I think him getting the bump up to head trainer is definitely very cool. Well, I mean, they, they can only benefit because, I mean, even before he went to Japan, like, he, he would pull off some monster shit. I mean, he was yep. never a favorite of mine, but I, you know, I always recognize this guy was a fucking beast in the way. Yep. When he was, when Brock Lesnar was originally with Paul Heyman and he had a faction, it was Brock Lesnar, Nathan Jones, Matt Morgan, and Albert, who at the time was known as A Train. He was he was rocking it back then. Then he went to Japan and he started yeah, working. Yeah, and then he started working in Japan as Giant Bernard, and he was on a whole other level in Japan too. So again, these are these are things that really put. Um, they they put his skill set to great use, and I think that the the guys on the come up in NXT are going to benefit. And guys like Hideo Itami, who you know came from from the Japanese puro scene, are really going to excel with him being involved. Still with me? Um, I was I, sorry, I got lost because I was thinking of um, the the fantasy matches that you always talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, I want to see in his prime Hawk from Legion of Doom versus Brock Lesnar. Hawk was a Hawk was a massive dude. That, that, that those are the, yeah, those. You know that what? Would I, be a fucking killer match. I think if I if I if I had to go that route, I would like to see. I would have liked to have seen a, a, a four corners tag match with the Dudleys, the Steiners, the Legion of Doom, and the Hardys. Why would you want the Hardys to get murdered? <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's all about it's all about chemistry. And I think that the Hardys were always good at working with the power teams, both from offense and from defense. Because when it, think about it, dude, their matches with, with with the Dudleys were ridiculous, even before TLC. Like those were matches where you were just like, "Holy shit!" You know. I think in place of the the Hardys, because in their prime, they were fantastic. Because put them in the ring with those other three teams, like just, just imagine. Coming from one end of the one corner of the ring to another, you got Matt running at Hawk. He's dead. You <laughs> never see him again. He's dead. Pretty much. Take out the Hardys and put in the Nasty Boys. You know what it is with the Nasty Boys? They were always that the Nasty Boys were always to me like I, I, not to say that they were a garbage tag team, but they 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 looked apart. The they just didn't deliver the goods. Like if you if you said demolition. Or Chronic. Chronic was the shit in WCW. Okay, take out the Nasty Boys and put in the British Bulldogs. 
There, I that I could I could rock with that. I could rock with the British Bulldogs. I could even rock with old school Heart Foundation. Yeah, just a team that's not going to be fucking <laughs> mauled by by the Legion of Doom. Yeah, uh, there you go. I um I did want to let people know that when the Undertaker's video aired on Raw, there was a thing on the bottom that said the man comes around at WrestleMania, and everybody's like, "What the fuck does that mean?" The man comes around is a song <laughs> is a Johnny Cash song, and the Undertaker's obviously he's used Johnny Cash in in a couple of entrances over the last couple of years. So for those of you who have no fucking idea, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. There you go. The other thing I wanted to um, let everybody, two things I wanted to let people know before we close things out. The first is Samoa Joe did an interview with Chris Jericho from, uh, from on his Talk is Jericho podcast, and he did confirm that he is in negotiations with the WWE. So very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, Dude, I tell you this. S- Samoa Joe in NXT with, St- with, with, with Owens and Zayn and Balor and Itami. It is a problem, dude. That main roster is going to have to start really being scared of their spots. <laughs> really scared, dude. Really scared. Well, I mean, I like the way NXT is set up. Not just because, you know, you got dudes that are hungry, but you have dudes that are hungrier because you only have one belt. Right. Very true. The other so, thing. There's only one real position of prestige. This is true. The only other thing I had to say was if anybody's truly excited for the return of Sheamus, don't be surprised if he doesn't come back for the old, for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I wouldn't see him debuting back at WrestleMania. You never know. Unless, I don't even know why it is. Eh, unless, I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see it because I mean, you really don't have a whole bunch of guys that anybody cares about. Well, unless there's they... There's going to be a lot of... Real filler spots in there, but. Uh, unless they swerve us and they put him in the IC title ladder match because he has been an IC champion, which leads me to the current WrestleMania card, which has some spoilers because SmackDown did tape. So if you don't want to know the spoilers, fast forward this next these next like two minutes. Uh, right now, the matches for WrestleMania are shaping up as follows: Your WWE World Heavyweight Title match is Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. That we know. Sting and Triple H. Bray Wyatt and The Undertaker. Paige and AJ Lee are going to take on the Bellas. Rusev is taking on John Cena. In your IC title ladder match, as of SmackDown's taping, the participants are Bad News Barrett, R-Truth, Dean Ambrose, Luke Harper, Dolph Ziggler, Daniel Bryan, and Stardust. So there you go, Slick. You may, you may, you may have Stardust do some crazy shit off a ladder, too. <laughs> But we knew Stardust was going to be in there from Raw because he got involved. Yep, but now it is official. The other thing uh, for Andre, oh, the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, the participants thus far, as of SmackDown's taping, again, fast forward if you don't want spoilers, The Miz, Curtis Axel, Ryback, Fandango, Adam Rose, Zack Ryder, Jack Swagger, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, The Big Show, Kane, Damian Mizdow, and Sing Cara so far. Okay. I, like I said, Sheamus did. Will be rope fodder. <laughs> Sheamus coming back for that match wouldn't be a bad thing. If if we had to pick a winner out of the list I just read, I'd probably say they might they'd either go with Ryback, or if they really want to put him over, Damian Mizdow. They've been hinting at that 
I wouldn't be mad because as much as as um, Sandow has fucking suffered, and I, I wasn't a fan of his when he, you know, when he had the you're welcome and shit, but that, yeah, exactly. But it's like he was he he really I want to say down for the company. This guy has ate more shit. In the past two years, that's true. Than, than a freaking dog with worms and shit. <laughs> I'm like, honestly, just being Mizdow, literally losing your identity without without any kind of assets. You know, like a guy will go away and right. come back as somebody else. Right. Not even being repackaged. Literally losing your identity while you're on the roster. <laughs> this guy is eating so much shit. Sad but true. Can we shut him a break? I agree. He actually, more than anybody else on the roster, deserves to win that match. There you go. But we'll see what happens. Like I said. Just to tell the Miz to go fuck himself. <laughs> there you go. To finally become Damian Sandow again. Yep. And, to, you know, to start doing something on his own. Well, that, my friend, that, my friend, is the WrestleMania card thus far. Again, there were spoilers there. If you didn't fast forward, we warned you. Um, that's actually going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week's show. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Slick? Yes, I really want fucking Mizdow to win that match now. There you go. All right. As always, um, you can follow Slick on Twitter. It's RW underscore Slick, right? Yes, sir. There you go. Anything else, my friend? No, I'm good for today, bro. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. I appreciate I'll it. Back. I'll be back later today for the video game news. There you go. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. All right, man. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace. All right. With that said, let us wrap this up, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 279, for Wednesday, March 11th, 2015. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, drop me a line at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. As always, if you want to find archived episodes of My Take Radio, you got a couple of options. First, if you want audio versions, you can find those episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And of course, if you're getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us move up the rankings, get into the noteworthy column, and of course, get us in front of more viewers. If you want archived video episodes, you can find them on our YouTube channel, My Take Radio TV, or on official RageWorks on YouTube. And of course, audio and video are always available on RageWorks.net. If you want all that content on the go, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app available for $1.99 for iOS, Windows Mobile, and Android devices. For Android, you can find the app in the Amazon Marketplace. For Windows Mobile, you can find it in the Windows Store. And of course, for iOS, you can find it on iTunes. Last but not least, My Take Radio airs every Wednesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Wednesday evenings is our MMA and wrestling show. Thursday evenings, gaming and entertainment with a little pop culture and tech thrown in for good measure. As always, on behalf of myself and the rest of the RageWorks and My Take Radio team, thank you guys for tuning in. I will see you guys for the gaming and entertainment show 
later on today. Peace. Come, rich, bitch. Rich, 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 r